welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 13, episode six. Good to be with you all this Tuesday morning. We've got myself and Camille. Welcome back, Camille. Hello. Good to have you. Ali is traveling this week, so not able to join us. Should be back next week, but we have Scott Rose back with us. Welcome as always, Scott. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Always good to have Scott back with us. We will be uh, talking more with Scott about what's going on in the show. So I'll give you a rundown of what we're going to be doing today. The Built on Air podcast, we always do four different segments, keep you up to date on all the latest. We'll start with our around the bases, share what people are talking about in the Airtable communities. Then we'll do a quick spotlight on Ontuair, our primary sponsor. Then Camille will be showcasing the new list views that just came out last week during the show. We were the first to break it. <laughs> we'll do a deeper dive on those. And then Scott's going to show us um, some automations, working with field orders in the emails that you send in your automations. Then a quick shout out to our community. And then finally, Camille's going to do some more automations on allocating hours to a task. So with that, let's talk about around the bases. So um, we won't go too much into it because uh, Camille's going to walk us through that in the next segment, but just wanted to highlight they did release a pretty new big feature, list views. The Asana killer is what I've heard people refer to it as. <laughs> so... That is cool. We'll talk. We'll talk about everything, um, how it works, and everything. But um, so I th I've seen good reaction and bad reaction. Some definitely some things still lacking. But um, that's cool that that they're bringing this feature into into play. So excited to uh, see what Camille shows us on that front. I'm um, moving on. This one's from the built on air community. Um, I always like seeing these. Hannah's really good at drumming up uh, conversations um, mm -hmm. of what's going on. I don't know. Scott, did you post in here? So the question was, tell us what you're really good at and love to do with Airtable or integration setups. I don't think. Well, I, I might have forgotten to post in this one. 
Okay, Scott, tell us what are you really good at? Really good at What's your it, secret power. My see, I think my secret power might be integrating Make <laughs> with Airtable because I spend tons and tons of time in Make. So, which is integrating typically Airtable with a whole bunch of external apps. Okay. Oh, that was right in Hannah's setup there. She says right at the top, "Are you great at Maybe Make?" Yeah. What's yours? How about you, Camille? What's your secret power? Um, I, I'm always uh, confused as how I ended up making so many uh, scheduling-based tools, scripts, <laughs> or extensions. So I'm going to say scheduling for some reason. Scheduling. Yep. Camille is the scheduling and calendaring expert. I, yep. I shouldn't be, but, <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> yeah yeah very cool yeah there's some good um there's some good ones there's there's a little uh, uh foreshadowing jeremy who either next week or the week after will be on our show and he's going to show us one of the things he talks about here so excited to to see that jen talks about translating user needs to software that's a very good skill Kavan and um, Justin talk about how it's enhanced their their programming abilities. I can vouch for that. Um, so yeah, Bill, Bill, I need a translation on this one. I, I didn't. I, I'm not familiar. Tana twenty four seven Airtable zero for seven. Can anyone translate that? No, I don't know what that means. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> Uh, so if I knew what Tana is in, I would understand, but I don't. That's what people say. It's a platform similar to Coda. I'm, I'm not familiar with Tana, but Justin, it looks like Justin found it. If you Google it, something. Uh, Tana is a new service. Oh, so I don't feel bad then. If it's new, then <laughs> I was like, should I know? <laughs> should I know what this is? Yeah. Okay. So it looks like maybe Bill is playing with, with, uh, so Justin says it's invite only mode for now. So very new. Oh, nice. Wow. So you have to be cool. Very All yes, right. cool. Uh, you know what I'd like, I can't wait to see Jeremy's presentation in a couple of weeks on the show because he's a big board gamer and apparently he's created all sorts of bases for board gaming. I love board games myself. So I'm very excited to see what he's going to tell us. And he, wrote about that in the thread here yep 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 uh back when um the format of the show was a little different um uh i interviewed jeremy uh for about one of his bases and at the time i wasn't a tabletop game player but now i am so i can geek uh -huh. out for two different reasons uh, <laughs> for you know that presentation looking forward what's, your, what's one of your favorite games well, you see, I'm basic, so I play D&D &D now, but that's all I need because I don't have time to do anything else. <laughs> wow, nice. Classic. Very cool. I like I like uh, Kavan's reading documentation is my superpower. Where else would you hear somebody claim <laughs> that as their superpower? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <clears throat> cool. So good stuff there. Uh, if you haven't posted, we'd love to hear your superpower. Post it in the built-on-air Slack. All right, moving on um, to Reddit. Um, <clears throat> somebody posts, this is always a good um, buying templates. 
Um, somebody asked if there's a place to to buy templates. This comes up fairly often, so worth worth mentioning every once in a while. The Airtable does not have a good marketplace for templates like other platforms. I know Notion has a very active template community or, or marketplace. Um, Airtable is not quite there yet. I, I, I hope to see that in the future. Um, but there isn't really a place to, other than the Airtable universe to go, unless you all know of a place. There... I forget the name. There was a service that allowed you to sell your Airtable um, setups. Mm. It was more for like the data, though. It wasn't the right. entire package. Interfaces didn't exist yet, so it wasn't bad. And it, none of the charts in your dashboards or things like that. But you could sell your database as like a data product. And I'm forgetting the name of what that is. But there, yeah. to my knowledge, isn't anything that would like sell your configuration because it's somewhat difficult to do um yeah yeah i don't think there's a good alternative for that and maybe do you think maybe there's not a huge market for it because once you sell it anybody could just easily duplicate it for other people well i guess that would happen with any template that that, that is yeah. limited to Airtable. that could happen with any platform yeah i, I think, think once they allow you to create computed fields by code. Mm. You will see people sell base exporters because you would be able to export. You mm. can currently export all of the like configuration settings for a particular like field, but you can't upload those settings somewhere else if it's a computed field. So I can tell what the formula is for a formula field, but I can't like create a new formula field using that same formula. And once they sort of remove that barrier, I could see somebody creating like a, an extension or something like that, that kind of lives in your sidebar where you could say, all right, I'm done with this template, export it as like a JSON or something like that. And then you use Gumroad or something like that to say, do you want access to this JSON file? Here you go for money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would be very powerful if they, if they open that up someday. Yeah. Yeah. That's the last missing piece to really open up the platform. Melanie, faithful listener, watcher, comes, gives a shout out to Paytable. That's thank the, you. Thanks. That is the one I was thinking Melanie. of. I was actually looking it up too and I couldn't find the name. So thank you, Melanie. Yep. Yep. All right. So yeah. So I think I do. I, I totally agree, Camille. Once once they unlock that, that missing piece, that will open up the floodgates. <clears throat> All right, moving on to the Facebook community. Um, I think this is interesting. Somebody asked about moving from Salesforce to Airtable, basically like asking for feedback. Is that a crazy idea? Has anybody done that? Um, I do know of people, I know of people that have moved the other way from Airtable to Salesforce, um, but I do know people that move from Salesforce. I do think that will be a growing trend in the years to come of enterprises you know, Salesforce just being way too much for a lot of people, a lot of companies and just saying Airtable is just much easier. Uh, I don't know if, Scott, you've worked with people. I don't know if you've seen people moving away from Salesforce to Airtable. 
Yeah, not. Yes, I have a lot of clients. They're still, but not a complete move yet. They've sort of straddled it. They're still doing some stuff in Salesforce. So they're still sending things from Airtable to Salesforce, but the goal is to shift to Airtable. But you bring up a good point there, though, because Salesforce is so high end and powerful. It's like people do lose a little bit when they come to Airtable, but I found that people are more than willing to trade that in a lot of times for the simplicity and the ease of use mm -hmm. of Airtable. It's, and by the way, Salesforce benefits either way because they're they're the biggest investor in Airtable. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. So this is something. This is kind of like on my prediction list of seeing Airtable eat more and more into the Salesforce world. I came from Salesforce. I used to be a Salesforce admin. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm one that's converted over to Airtable. Uh, there, is, there is still definitely like a need for Salesforce in certain regards. Um, but I think there is a lot of use cases that Airtable could take. <clears throat> I see a sentence in here that says, I'm just nervous about the scalability of Airtable. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. the considerable limitation depending on how many um, records you're anticipating how much historical data you need to keep on hand for any you know given year uh yeah you'll you'll run it you'll run into that yep yeah and that's definitely something salesforce has has figured out to some degree i mean they're definitely scalable but they're also very slow as well salesforce is is slow but um they have scaled to very big implementations you know, that'll be a very cool thing. You were talking about the API thing that's missing about creating formula fields. I think the other big missing thing is, is opening up those record limits in Airtable and letting us pay for more record limits. Like if you want 100,000 more records in your base, then, you know, let's pay an extra month yep. for that. I think that would, that would solve so many problems for people, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would, that would open up a ton for them. Yep. All right, let's move on to um, Airtable, so or to Twitter, excuse me. Um, we're shot worth uh, mentioning. Yesterday, there was yet another uh, outage. This it was probably five ten minutes. It was down, um, but it impacted the website. Even if you just went to Airtable.com, it gave a error message. All the APIs were down, so it was a pretty big outage. I was actually on a sales call when it went down. So was I. I was just going to say that. So was I. It yeah. seems to always happen. <laughs> yep. I know. I know. It's right when you're telling, right when the sentence out of your mouth is, so let me tell you how Airtable is so incredible. <laughs> Luckily mine, they were already on Salesforce. They just needed consulting work. So I didn't, they were already bought into Salesforce. So, <laughs> or sorry, not Salesforce, Airtable. Hmm. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so definitely a big, big outage yesterday. I think hopefully it's related to they have been doing some database upgrades, um, although this one definitely wasn't planned in the middle of the morning on a Monday, but, um, but it might have been related. So hopefully we see some improvements out of it. All right, next one from our friend Chris Dancy. Um, he's been he's been sharing quite a bit more. He's been he's been it seems like he's been posting quite a bit more, and this is just ridiculous. Um, his life. This is his calendar, and just just crazy the wow. amount of tracking that he does. Um, and uh, and then it he showcases 
what it looks like in in Airtable. So if you ever want to see somebody who just is is basically a, a, a robot and tracks everything. Chris Dancy is your guy, the most connected man in the world. <laughs> Wait, is all this automated? Like every, like I saw there was something about he's counting the time between a Facebook post and a Facebook like. Is he, is all this stuff automated on his end? It must be, right? I think a considerable portion is automated. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't really recall how because there's so many different systems like you know we're looking at what is probably several bases being represented together so yeah you know there's there's a there's a lot going on under the hood yeah a portion of it has to be a decent portion i don't know if everything is but yeah this is just this actually gives me a headache to think about trying to <laughs> track all of this this is amazing yeah, wasn't so. there like there was a whole article somewhere written about him, right? Being the the world's most connected man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like a mini documentary. He's done TED talks. Um, oh, yeah, really? there's quite a bit out there. Oh yeah. my god, I've got to do more. I've got to do more Chris Dancy research. Yeah, yeah, I've gone down the rabbit hole, and um, yeah, it's fascinating. So he, he's a fascinating guy. Um, yeah, and he'll be doing, uh, I think it's still happening. I haven't heard much about it lately, but he did announce dates for their Dare Table, which is the conference that, that Chris um, organizes coming up in May, I believe. So if you want to learn more about Chris and what he's up to, that, that would be a great event. Um, May 17th through the 18th in San Francisco. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. One more from Twitter. Yesterday was the 11-year anniversary of the launch of Airtable. So happy Whoa. birthday to Airtable. Happy birthday. 11 years old. It's come a long way. I, I don't know if um, when this picture was taken, because this is a shared view. So it actually looks fairly recent. I don't think this is the original iteration of Airtable. I, I also think that's too newish because the, I remember colors being different. It was, everything was like a lighter, it was more pastel-y and the, um, the view sidebar wasn't like that. Yeah. This, yeah, yeah this is from like 2018 or so. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we should go maybe in a future episode, we'll do a Wayback Machine and look at the changes to your table's website. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's cool, though. 11 years old. It's, can't, it can't, it's not a startup anymore at 11. That's, that's getting close to teenage years. Was it, was it actually publicly? Like, was it available for public consumption in 2012? Or is that like when Howie Lou sat down and started... It you know, says it, that's when it was launched. It was launched, I mean, to the public. I think it, so, yeah. But it was also under a different name when it was first released. This is before my time, but like the, the name of the company that Airtable is, isn't Airtable. It's like oh. DataGrid or something like yeah. that. Or So yep. it's, it was, I think, originally something else entirely. And then it became Airtable. And I'm wondering if in 2012, it was DataGrid or whatever it was called. And then uh, sometime uh, later it became Airtable or is 2012 the first year it was called Airtable? Mm, 
Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, 2012. That was still pretty early days. Um, And uh, yeah, it's DataGrid. The company, the actual company is still called DataGrid Inc. is the legal entity name of the company. Yeah, I was so confused when I saw that at the bottom of one of their emails. It was like an invoice or something. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, who's DataGrid? Yeah, yeah. So it launched as DataGrid. Yeah, I wonder what, how, how long before they switched Airtable. I don't know that. Wow. Well, happy birthday, Airtable. Yeah. 11. So, this says it was one of their first versions. So I don't, I don't know how early it was, but. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's move on. Scott, you may be familiar with this community. This is the new uh, Table Forums community. If you haven't been there, you definitely need to check it out. Maybe give us an update. How's it going, Scott? You know what? We're t- I think we're now uh, two weeks in to the launch of Table Forums. And, and what I love about it, what I love the most about it is that people are just pouring in with tips and tricks like Justin here uh, has an incredible tip and trick. I love that people from our community are spending so much time to put things in here that people will then be able to find, you know, when they're searching on Google, which is like the great thing about having a web-based forum is that it's totally searchable and indexable. And so I'm so grateful to everybody pouring in with these tips and tricks. And, um, and I'm also trying to uh, figure out like, wh- you know, what sort of regular tips and tricks I want to do on there. You know, I think anybody who wants to come and share your knowledge with us, it would be awesome. I was thinking maybe even having like some sort of like a weekly like make tip on there, like some video or something. I don't know. This platform is for everybody. You know, it's uh, whatever you guys want to build in, into this forum, it's I would love it. And it seems like people are liking it so far. What, what do you guys think so far? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's definitely, you know, the place where you're going to get a response and, and good answers. Um, but yeah, I agree. Just keeping those tips and tricks are valuable and bookmark them. And, and um, so it's a great resource. <clears throat> So yeah, so a couple, I found a couple that are really good. There's always, there's always questions and answers. Um, but for this show, I like kind of more the evergreen content that these, these show and tell tips and tricks are really good for that. So Justin um, is uh, showcasing um, webhook automation. So kind of talking about some of the problems of, of accessing your, your data um, and, and how you might want to represent it in so if you're dealing with um, JSON, this is a great tutorial of, or dealing with, with webhooks and want to post to, to a webhook, either an Airtable one or outside to make or Zapier or somewhere else. Um, really good tutorial on, on how that works. So Thank you. that, yeah, Justin. Yeah, that's a good one. There was one other that I thought was good from Kavan. Um, providing limited access to Airtable data and schemes. Um, so different tricks and ways on how you can give people limited access. So just really good tutorial of how to like with charts and images. Um, so just really, really cool stuff. Um, this is really good evergreen content that that will be valuable for years. 
I'm so grateful to everybody sort of creating what will be a future library for people right. to look up stuff. Yep. Like yep. you said, evergreen content. It's just, yep. it's so wonderful. What about, uh, is there still founding contributors left to dish out? Oh, that's a great question. And I believe there are. We were giving out founding contributor badges to the first 49 people who posted in table forums. And I should check how many we have left. Let me, I check real quick. Let's see. We have given out, wait, I gotta figure out how to get there. I noticed this, this uh, star badge is new, I think, at least originally, I only noticed it said founding contributor, but now you get this. Maybe that was oh, there. Yeah, it was there, but you have to, it doesn't actually automatically put it on your profile. You actually ah, have to go into your profile preferences. Gotcha. And then choose to have the icon show up. Gotcha. Cool. So if you are a founding contributor and you don't have that star yet, just go into your uh, profile preferences and you can enable it. Um, and I just checked and we have... 32 so far that have gotten the badge. So there's 17 spots left. Nice. And the 50th spot, thanks to Camille's great idea, we are saving it for W. Van Hall, the man, the myth, the legend. He answered tons of incredibly complex questions back in the day. And then he just disappeared. He said he was coming back. And then he disappeared. Uh, so we're, we're holding the 50 to spot for him if he ever reemerges. Yep. Yep. Cool. So still a couple spots. What do you have to do to get a founding contributor? Oh, yes. Good question. So basically, um, ask a question or post a tip and a trick or reply to somebody with an answer. Basically, any sort of engagement with the community, even if you know nothing about Airtable, if you are in the next 16 people, wait, 17 people who post, um, even if you're just asking a question, you can become a founding contributor. Nice. Very cool. So if you're listening, now's the time to sign up at tableforums.com. That will be the landing page. And then air.tableforums.com will take you into the Airtable forums. Awesome. Very cool stuff. You know, Dan, when you're looking at the screen there, you can also tell like how easy it is like to format things, how how easy it is to yep. read and engage in conversations. Yeah. Which I think is the beauty of you know the discourse software that we're using the platform. Yeah. 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 It really makes it great for for parsing and, and reading code and everything. So yeah. all right, let's move on from our around the bases, keeping you up to date, everything. We're hoping there was one teaser, um, and we talked about this probably two weeks ago, that they released documentation about looping in um, automations, and they said it would be coming out over the coming weeks. Um, it doesn't appear to be out yet, but we think that maybe even during this morning or maybe even during the show, maybe it'll come out. So keep your eyes posted. If you see something, let us know, and we'll take a quick peek. Um, so that would be inside the automations, being able to loop through records. So we're, we're waiting on that announcement. All right, let's move on to onto Air. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that help you do more with your business. If you rely on Airtable for your business, then you definitely need to check out ontoair.com and sign up and use it um, today. 
I want to showcase, uh, we did some pretty big upgrades over the weekend. We actually are still kind of working out some minor tweaks. So we do have a warning up there that this week there may be some instability as we, as we finalize things. But we did a huge um, architecture change to how we do backups. Um, we were running into some scaling issues, especially if you had a lot of attachments in your, in your base and was causing some, some issues. And so we, we kind of, it's been a few months of work and so excited to finally get that out there. And, um, we also added a, a couple more minor tweaks. It doesn't change a whole lot of things, but it allows us to, um, to do more. So in the coming months, we'll start being able to backing up your, um, your actual base schema. So the fields and, and views um, and all of that information, as well as um, comments. So those are coming very soon. Those are, those are in the works. So in the next month or two, uh, we'll be able to back up that information as well. So that's a sneak peek of what's coming. But if you've already been using our backups, a couple new things that I thought I'd share. Um, we now kind of give you a sense of um, how many records are in each base. As we, Every time we back up, we'll give you a count of how many records in the base, as well as how many attachments are in that base that we backed up. Um, so this one doesn't have any attachments and only six records. Then you can also drill down into the table level and, um, and see all of the tables in a base and how many records and attachments. And at the table level, it also tells you how many fields there are. So just kind of a cool little additional information that, that might be helpful in just looking at um, what's going on metric-wise in your base. And um, we still have now, we made it a little bit easier to understand the backup history. And so this is where you see every time uh, backups happen and gives you a sense of how many records across all of the bases in your project get backed up tells you how many new attachments got backed up in that iteration. And so very useful and now much more scalable. I'm excited to, to see what's coming in, in backups. Very cool. Dan, how excited are you or how excited were you when they opened up the API to all those extra things that you can now use in here? Yeah, that is cool. I'm still waiting on, there are some things that, that, you know, like we mentioned earlier that, that are still lacking. Um, but it is cool. We actually, I, we actually now have OAuth integration, um, that opens up more. So especially webhooks now, like we'll probably start using webhooks to be smarter about our backups. Um, that's not there yet, but, but something we're exploring. So Yes, I love it when they when they open up more at the API level. Totally. Yeah, this is looking great, the new version of this. Cool. Yeah, thanks. All right, let's move on. Our first segment, Camille, let's learn about new list view. Your screen is now showing. Okay, so last week towards the end of uh, our episode, uh, they had just released a new view type for both the data view and for um, interfaces. So right now I'm currently looking at an interface. And the first use case I thought of for a list view was a base I was making that had to deal with uh, projects, tasks, and hours assigned 
per task per person. And so I'm gonna do my best to explain this sort of use case and how the list view makes it easier to sort of look at this, all this information together. So uh, list view works by setting up one or more levels. The first level being uh, the smallest amount or the most specific amount of data, if that makes sense, and it probably doesn't. Um, in this case, I have a base that has projects which are linked to tasks, and each task is listed to one or more hour assigned to that task. So my first level would be those hours. Each person, you know, how many hours are they planned to work on a task? How many hours did they actually work on the task? How many are remaining, et cetera? Of course, those are all linked to a particular task, which is a level, uh, the next level up. And I could show different uh, fields that are related to this record. So the start date for the task, the end date, the status, and how many total hours are remaining for the hours linked to it. So you'll see the sum of all of this would be two, pretty easy. Um, and you'll see that same number repeated up here. And then each of my tasks is linked to a project. And once more, there's even more uh, fields that are shown related to the project itself. So the display of um, your levels is slightly different depending on which level you're looking at. For the outermost level, the first uh, column is going to be bolded. Uh, it doesn't have to be the primary field. Um, so I'm now editing this uh, interface just to show what that looks like. Some things are um, a little bit, they take a little bit of uh, getting used to, to find the um, information that you wanna edit. If I wanna change which field shows up first for the project level, um, I would go to fields under options. And then by default, it's going to pick your um, lowest level in your hierarchy. I'm going to go up to level three, and I'm going to reorder name so it comes first. And you'll see the project name now appears first and it's bolded versus job number, which isn't. So again, it doesn't have to be your primary field. That is the same for all of your uh, levels. Um, the other sort of special condition is level one. Again, that's your smallest um, or lowest level shown in your hierarchy allows for, um, uh, I believe they're called nested records, which to me are a little confusing. I'll show that um, in the data view in a second, but that's the uh, special condition that you get for the smallest level of records. Other than that, if you wanted to change um, the sort, um, well, let me start with levels actually. The display of this actually seems to be a little broken, I think because I'm zoomed in, yeah, that's what it is. If you click on levels, you'll be able to change the uh, order in which things are, are nested beneath each other. Now, this has to make sense in terms of, you have to have a linked record uh, field between um, each rung on your ladder. So if I if I were to adjust the order from tasks to projects to hours, it wouldn't make sense because that's not how my um, linking is for this particular base. For each level, you can change what each 
record is referred to as. So for tasks and deliverables, I want them to be referred to as task and you'll see that appear here. Same thing for the projects table. I want that as project hours. I just said record as the, um, as the name. That is uh, useful because it allows you to um, more easily know when I say, in this case, add a new record, I would know specifically, I'm not adding a new task or a new project, I'm adding a new hour. If they had a, you know, a predefined uh, term in this list that more accurately matched my use case, I would have used that, but they don't. I think we talked about that before, uh, yeah. especially with Scott, that the, their list of predefined terms is not all encom uh, encompassing yeah. and you can't include your own custom name quite yet. Would love if they could. But you'll see down here uh, this toggle for enable uh, nested records for level one. This is always going to be level one. You can't have nested records for level two or any level above that. I don't have uh, a self-linking uh, linked record field for the table hour. So I'm not going to be able to do that for this part of the demo. I'll come back to that later. Um, another thing that you can add to the list view is a prefix field. So if you had a checkbox uh, field for your tables, you would be able to uh, enable the prefix field, select that checkbox and click um, to edit it on the left hand side of whatever the first field you've chosen to display is um, for that um, for that table. So I'm going to go in really quickly and then make a checkbox field so that it, we could see how that might look. I'm going to plop it in here. And while I'm here, I'm also going to show what the list view looks like in uh, the data view. A lot of it is very sim uh, similar, but of course, because we're now looking at a different segment of Airtable's UI, you're gonna have to you know, get used to things being in a slightly different um, location. So if I wanted to change the order and visibility of certain uh, fields, uh, I would go to customize rows and then it's the same thing where I have to do this one by one, looking at my lowest level of records, um, I could drag and reorder things. I'm going to add that checkbox field as a um, prefix field and then get out of here. You'll see that I can now do this, that, and the other. Um, I have not tested this myself. I'm going to test it now to see if I change the display option for that uh, checkbox, does that get recreated? And it does. So that's nice. So it's not just always a check mark, uh, check mark. You can control what that looks like. You can only have one prefix field. There's, uh, you can't have uh, a checkbox for approved, a checkbox for, you know, completed and have them both show up here. You can only have one prefix field per level. Um, you would click set levels and that's where you uh, go to change the naming convention for each of your levels. Um, you're limited to up to three um, levels. So you can't you know, have four, five, six, 
et cetera. I think that's probably fine um, for the use cases I've thought of so far, just because uh, this gets really uh, cluttered and clunky, I think, if you have too many things going on at once. Um, I will stop there if there are questions uh, or if there's something that you want me to highlight before I go to how you would sort and filter these views. No questions yet. I think, I think it's pretty exciting yeah. so far. I think the biggest thing, and I still, even today, I was looking at a list view that I created last week and just conceptually, you have to retrain your mind to think lowest level is level one and then go up from there. I, even today, after knowing that I still switched back. <clears throat> yeah, it's, um, I, when I first, you know, heard of this view, to me, it seems like the it should be the other way around, but I, I understand why it's set up the way this is, where level one is the lowest level and level three is the, the highest level. Originally, I was thinking it should be the other way around because the view I'm, or the table I'm currently looking at is ours, right? So I'm looking at these records are from the hours table these records are from the task table and this record is from project. Originally, I was thinking, I wanna look at the projects table and all of the tasks and hours underneath it. It's the other way around. You have to look at the smallest level of data uh, and then go there to create your view. So a little bit different from how I was originally thinking, but it, it, it does make sense. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not crazy. Yeah. yeah, that confused me too. And, and yet, I, I guess, you know, some of the logic there is that you always know that level one is the lowest, whether you have two or three, because if they flip it, your lowest level might sometimes be two and might sometimes be three. And yeah. so this numbering, you always know that level one is the lowest. So I, you know, I think it makes, it, it makes sense. It's just not the sense I was originally thinking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Me so. too. Me too. Um, so if you want to uh, sort these records, you'll see um, if you look at the hours, they're kind of um, all over the place um, sorting, much like the order of fields that you're being shown is done by level. So looking at level one, um, I would want to sort by probably the person name, I would think, and you'll see all of that gets reordered accordingly. Um, my tasks are also all over the place. So if I wanted to resort my tasks by uh, the prefix probably should do it. So now they're all, all of my tasks are in order. And then of course, the same thing for level three projects, sorting them by job number, which I think they already were. Um, I just don't have any tasks or hours assigned to um, projects one through five, but I do have them for uh, tasks uh, or projects six and seven. If I wanted to say, don't show me any uh, levels where there aren't any level one records um, or don't show me any level three records if there are no linked level two and don't show me any level two records if there's no linked level one, I would go into customize rows and select 
hide section. And what that will do is remove any of those from view. Just something to note, um, much like with a grid view, you can select more than one record. You can't select records from different tables. So I can't select a task and then some of its hours. I would have to select, you know, one or more tasks, but not any of the, the other levels because they're, you know, they're coming from different tables. It kind of makes sense that you can't do that. Um, it is hard to unselect multiple records to me. There, you, there's no button up at the top that, you know, clears out your selection. Um, I'm sure I've missed something. Jan says it also seems that a level one, uh, level one in my case doesn't show if the level two above links to a synced view. I was mm -hmm. hoping it would show that level, but just not let us change anything at that level. Oh, that's interesting. That seems like an oversight. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I did not realize that. Yeah, it's a little strange. That's good. The other thing I realized in playing with it is like, usually if you want to go to the expanded view, you would click where the checkbox is now. Yeah. And you need to click on like the, the name. Yeah, um, you do. Yeah. So this will match um, the whatever fields I say to show me in this list view those will be the ones that show up when I click the record. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, it's not, you know, typically, or sometimes it'll be the first grid view in the view bar for that respective table. In this case, it's paying attention to which fields you have turned on. Um, that's useful for, you know, eventually when this is a shareable view type, I believe it's not a shareable view type at the moment, um, you would have finer control over what details about the project can you see, if you, you know, instead of it being kind of a crapshoot. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying when you expand it, it's going to show you just those fields yeah. that you've already chosen there. I, I should see three fields for project. And if I click it, I do see those three fields. I like that. That makes a lot more sense than their previous behavior. It does, and you know, it's the only it's the only view type that knows that it's looking at more than one table, and so it's kind of baked into the sort of logic that you've are, you've told it what you want to know about a project, and so that's the information it shows you. There's some things that are here from other views, like you can adjust the row height, um, but you can't, as far as I am aware, you can't color any of your records, which is I think, unfortunate. Um, I think it would be very useful to have different coloring options set up for each of your different levels. Um, you can filter um, each of your different uh, each of your different views. It's a little bit wonky in interfaces because if you have a filter element on top of what the base filter is for the list view, it you know it gets a little bit strange. But that's I think the ins and outs of this particular view type um, does a lot of things that you couldn't do before. There's some like artifacting that um, I'm not a fan of necessarily. I don't like the, you know, placeholder for instance for uh, editable fields um, as you sort of roll over them. 
Uh, and sometimes they stay there. Like my, my cursor isn't currently over Shelby's record there, but the, that still remains present until I roll over it again. And then sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. There's a little uh, things like that, but overall, you know, it's a very interesting view, uh, view type that um, I think a lot of people uh, will be generally happy with uh, for what it allows you to do. And I'm sure they'll continue making tweaks on it in the future. Cool. Thank you, Camille. Let's move on for, for time. One quick, um, Justin says, I found that formula field visible in level two and three sometimes don't refresh until you move your mouse over them, at least in the interface. But he said, I've been mostly working with the new list element in interfaces, and there are some other UI quirks that I plan on reporting. So definitely yep. room for improvement there. <clears throat> All right, thank you. Lots to uh, lots to dig in there. Appreciate you sharing that. We're next going to move on, Scott. If you want to share your screen, yeah, Scott's going to walk us through some automations and email field order in grids. Yes. This is. Let me see here. Okay. You can see this now, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, yeah, this is uh, just a little tip and trick. It's one of the great mysteries of Airtable, similar to what, what uh, Camille was just talking about a minute ago, where sometimes you don't really know what fields Airtable is going to choose for different things. Um, th this is similar to that in the sense that sometimes you don't know what order um, Airtable is going to put your fields in. And I'm specifically referring to automations when you find a bunch of records and then you want to send an email uh, showing a list of those records, either a grid or a list of those records. It isn't always exactly what you would expect. And I figured out two little tiny tricks that will make this perfect for you every single time. Um, basically, let's take a look at our database here. Um, this is, you know, just a pretend travel itinerary demo. Uh, or, uh, well, that's the name of the base. Um, you know, just a bunch of countries and cities that we may want to visit. And I've just checked off a bunch of different places that we want to send out in the email to people. So, you know, we want to send out the email and we want to say, hey, these are the current cities that we're currently thinking about for our itinerary. And we've got all these fields here and I'm going to go into automations. And this step right here says that, well, up here, you know, we'll run this on a scheduled time. And then here for the find records step, we're going to do a find for the itinerary table. We're going to find records based on condition. And we're going to search for only the records where we've checked the checkbox. So if I test this, it will say that it was successful because it found all these records that I checked off. And then we get to the part where we're going to send the email. So what I did was I inserted the grid of records here into this email, and I've turned on the fields that I want to see. Now, when you see it like this here, and I go back to the data here, you can see that it actually matches the field order here. Um, and let's see what happens when I actually preview this. All right. So when we look at this, what you can see is 
is I think does this match or does this not match? Let's see. It does. Okay, so that one does. Let me just go back here for a second. Okay, perfect. And oh wait, city rating and primary contact are the last three. And you said that that what and that's what it looked like in the preview. It did. Okay, perfect. So that is working the way that we city rating primary right so that's actually something where you may be thinking okay well that's fine you know that's working very well um and the reason for that is because it by default will take your topmost view here and it'll put your fields in that order but this is where it gets a little bit tricky what if you actually wanted a couple of these fields like let's say i wanted or let's say i just shuffled these around like let's say i wanted the primary contact to be over here and I wanted the record ID to be here. Um, and let's say that I actually wanted to hide a couple of these fields. Well, I'm doing two things at once. One is I'm shuffling these things around, and then I'm also gonna hide a few of these. So what happens is, let's say, you know, that this view is actively used by people and, you know, they don't really need to see a lot of these columns. So, you know, I'm just gonna hide those columns, but this is still the topmost view. And you could see they're still in this order. Well, I mean, I just reshuffled them in this order. And now when I go into automations, now watch what happens when I try to generate a preview. So what it does is it takes those two hidden fields and it moves them to the end. So if you come back out here, right? So it's email country and rating, itinerary name, email country and rating. And so what's confusing here is that, I'm just gonna generate this again, right? This It takes the hidden fields and it puts them at the end. And now if I were to make them unhidden, then it's actually gonna put them in this order. So that's just one thing I wanted to point out about the hidden fields. But what happens if, then there, be, then there gets a lot of other complexity, which is if somebody makes this view a personal view and, and they move it, well, I'm, I'm the only user in here, so I can't make it a personal view, and they move it down lower in your views, what becomes very interesting then is things get even more confusing because Airtable will hang on to that view. Once it's a personal view, even if it's moved somewhere else in the list, Airtable will hang on to that as your former top view. So even if you actually move your views around, it gets very confusing. So the two confusing things are with personal views and hiding fields. Anytime you hide a field, if you want it in that email, it's just gonna put it at the end. And if you make it a personal view and you move it, Airtable is always gonna consider that your topmost view until you make that view collaborative, um, move it back to, I think you have to move it back to the top. You have to do a, a bunch of things to get Airtable to notice your new top view. So the answer to solve all of those problems, I think those were at least two problems, maybe three problems. The way to solve all of this is when you do your find records, instead of finding your records based on a condition, what you can do is you can find your records based on a view instead. 
And then it'll always pull from that particular view. So what you can do out here is just, let's just duplicate this view and we will just call it, you know, email these records or whatever you want to call this. And I will filter this view to the email is checked. So that used to be my condition in the automation, but now it's a filter for this view. And now I'm just gonna shuffle these around, rating, country, email. And now what's gonna happen is when I choose this view, and I'll test this action here, when we go to the uh, send an email step, it will be tied to that view. So you don't need to be guessing which view is the top view. It will, and you'll notice here, by the way, it's only showing me the four fields that are actually visible. And so now if I update this and I generate a preview, you'll see that it pulls exactly the fields from that view. So what you can do, wait, did I click on that? Let me see, here we go. So what you can actually do is control your emails by setting up a special view and it's not even going to let you choose those hidden fields, but whatever you changes you make here in this view, and no matter where you move this view, even if it becomes a personal view, your emails are going to be uh, in the order. The fields are going to be in the order that you want. So maybe that was a long way of sort of explaining that, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that makes sense. It's the only way to explain it because it's silly. It, it, it's silly. it was actually the personal view thing that really threw me off too yeah no that's a great that's a great trick that yeah you, it would take forever to figure that out so very useful awesome thank you scott for sharing that real quick camille if you want to get ready i'll give a shout out to our community at built on air uh we'd love to have you join us i was just looking we're approaching a thousand subscribers on our youtube channel so i'll give a shout out to to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we'd love to get to a thousand in the next couple months. And so please subscribe there, join us at builtonair.com slash join, get into our Slack community and also join the uh, table forums as well as part of that. All right, final segment from Camille on, oops, actually let me intro it on automations and task allocating hours to a task. There you go. So we are looking at the same base. Um, the use case that I went over, you know, a little bit ago involved having tasks assigned to a project and each person having a certain number of hours they're supposed to work on a task. And then we want to track how many of those hours should they actually use? Are they over budget? Are they under budget, um, et cetera? And I have a series of automations in this table that should hopefully um, make creating this a lot easier. So this is um, something that, you know, the concept of a junction table where you have uh, several records linked to each other uh, that are kind of annoying to create. So in this base, I think I have something like seven employees um, set up. And if for each and every task, um, you'll see I might have five to seven tasks per project. If I had to one by one create those seven employees for each of those tasks, that's a lot of time and it's annoying and I don't want to do it. 
So I set up some automations that should hopefully, if I do them, work. You'll notice that an error has occurred and I don't know if that's something that I did wrong or if it's a problem with the list view. So I'm gonna refresh the page and we'll see what happened. That task did not get created, it doesn't seem like. So I'm gonna go into a stable view and um, I'm gonna actually do this from the task table. If I uh, create a new task, um, it's gonna get shuffled around a bit. What should happen? Oh, okay, it already happened. Um, this new task that I just created has every person in my people table. Uh, I generated a new uh, junction table record in the hours table for that task. So if I give this a number really quickly, just so that we can see it. And if I go back to my list view, there you go. These are all those, this is the brand new task that I generated. Here's one record for each of them. And now I can quickly say, well, Felix needs to do six hours. Harvard needs to do five. I need to do eight, et cetera. Um, but I don't have to one by one select each and every person's name. That is accomplished with um, a single um, automation. You'll see all the other ones are turned off. So I have it set up whenever a new record in the task table is created. I have a fairly simple uh, script that's running that um, takes the record ID for the task uh, record that was created um, getting all of my uh, tables and fields set up. And then what I'm doing is looking at my people table and saying, for every employee, um, create a new record in the hours table that is linked to the task that was just created. That's that record ID. And then the person.id is, um, I'm looping through each of the people records from the people table. Um, I also have uh, something in here that will match if it can find uh, an Airtable collaborator with the same name as, you know, the record in the people table. Sometimes that's useful if you want to use collaborators to hide certain tasks and hours from other, um, other collaborators using an interface, for instance. Um, you don't actually need this line. It's actually just these first two that are relevant for this use case. I'm going to zoom in slightly in case anyone wants to pause the video eventually to see what this script is doing. And then from there, it's just creating um, any of those linked uh, records that are needed. Some things that you could do to tweak this for your particular use case, you might not need to do every single person in your people table if you have everyone from your whole company, not everyone is going to be working on your project. So maybe there's a field that says, if it's a, a, a project for marketing, only include people in the marketing department. And you could accomplish that by having a view set up that you know, is only for marketing and some logic somewhere in the script that will find the appropriate view. That's just one way that you might tweak this a little bit, but that's the general idea. Nice. Awesome. Very useful creating that, uh, that table. Cool. Thank you, Camille, for showing that.
And that concludes our show for today. So thank you all. Next week, we'll be back for a new episode. Um, looks like we didn't get any feature releases or nobody, nobody yeah. gave us a, a heads up. So maybe coming, I don't know, this afternoon, we'll see. Maybe next week, we'll talk about it. So until then, we'd love to see what you are all are building on air. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.